Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We'll be getting you ready for Sunday night, primetime football, Cowboys. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for them to go to New Orleans, even without Drew Brees, a measuring stick game, a tough atmosphere, primetime, only game going. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, we got a couple days to head into the weekend to get you ready. We'll be doing our job today in that regard. Coming up next, we'll get into really the, the biggest areas of concern and the biggest areas of confidence for the Cowboys. But before we do, we should probably take the temperature of the rest of the league, and, and that takes us immediately out to New England where Tom Brady is missing practices because he's old. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, Ben. We always talked about Romo Wednesdays and what that was like. Keep in mind – Tom Brady is 42, which just sounds absurd. Because I heard uh, G-Bag Nation talking about this yesterday. There's a lot of indications that he's playing the best quarterback football in the league right now. Mm -hmm. If you stack up all the quarterbacks, he's right there at the top. Um, But he has missed several practices. In fact, he's missed three of the last four, which is not just Romo Wednesday. When you're missing three of four practices – that's an interesting indication, and he, he, he jokingly said football is a contact sport, just like too tall. I wouldn't say I'm a spring chicken anymore. And he says, I'm trying to just feel as great as I can. We'll see how it goes tomorrow, but I feel pretty good. Now, that's, it's Tom Brady, right? He doesn't need all this practice time, but it does bring up, as we talk about this, Ben, the idea that this is the incredible season. How much longer are we going to expect a 42-year-old to just knock it out at the level he's knocking it out? And, and I know that the Drew Brees injury, Drew Brees is 40. I know that injury was a freak injury. It may even be better for Drew Brees to just knock off five games in the middle of the season. When these guys are in their 40s, can they really just keep playing at that high of a level for a you know, 16-game season and then a playoff run? You know, I, I look at Peyton Manning and, and Peyton Manning – you know, won a Super Bowl when he basically didn't have an arm anymore, but he did it with his smarts and his his wisdom. And uh, you know, Brady still has his arm. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I feel like with the things he is all about, with his brand and his health, he's kind of a quarterback robot. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's no signs of him slowing down when you watch him play. The only signs of him slowing down are when you hear that he doesn't really need to practice. And and you know he or he needs to take off practice to, right. to remain healthy, and but I but I do wonder if he really needs practice. I mean, good God, he's been doing it for so long. He's been doing it so well for so long. I mean, Belichick doesn't practice. You know, it's like uh, it's like he, he's basically an offensive coordinator out there on the field, just bringing his giant brain to the party. And as long as he feels good on Sunday and has time to drink all of his protein smoothies, I, I feel like. He could keep going for a while. I, I think so, too. If I was one of the, like, let's say I, I, they play the Chiefs, I think, in November. I can't remember their schedule. If I'm the Chiefs, I go ahead and get a late hit in. Not, not one at the knees, but you just want him to feel it. because for December 5th. December 5th. Yeah. Because to me, it's, it's, it's not about anything other than, you know, I'm not talking about anything cheap. But I'm just saying it, it's not about an injury, but it's about recovery. Your body just doesn't recover. And if they can make him feel it. 
And if any of these teams can make him feel it, I know he's smart and he's going to get rid of the ball just as soon as he can and all those types of things. That's really where the danger lies is these teams that have older quarterbacks. Can they recover to get – and, that, dude, when you get to the Super Bowl, you have two weeks to recover anyways. That's a huge advantage. But that's something I'm interested in because I think with the Cowboys, we're spending time looking at how far can this team go. And part of that conversation is looking at your competition and what state they're in. Long season ago, lots of injuries that could happen. But I do think about the older quarterbacks that are in the way of these younger teams ready to step up. Well, we, you know, we've talked to Troy Aikman about this before and – the idea that he could come out and play in one game, oh, he absolutely could. Yeah. But it's how do you recover? Mm-hmm. How does your body bounce back? And I know this just from playing pickup basketball. When you're younger, you could play every single day of the week. Now I need multiple days to, like, get my body back to right. where I can bounce back and go play again. And I can't imagine what that's like with your body taking the toll of being hit mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL. And, I mean, if I, you know, if I was a Patriots fan – I wouldn't worry about this. I wouldn't. Like, hell yeah. Like, R- Romo Wednesdays didn't concern me. I'm like, he'll be fine. I, I mean, it's, it's, about preserving, it's about preserving his back. And, you know, Romo talked about Tiger Woods and his back issue, which was similar to his, and he, he said he's got a, essentially a pitch count. Like, he told Tiger Woods, you just can't go warm up like you used to warm up. You have a limited amount of golf swings, so don't use them up practicing. Save them for the game. And I think it's the same thing, you know, for Brady. It's, it's like a limited pitch count whether it's throws or taking hits or whatever it is, as long as he's preserved enough to feel good on game day, then they got as good a chance of winning a Super Bowl as anyone. Yeah. Can I add an element of intrigue? Yes. It kind of fell by the wayside yesterday, but they traded or they signed a quarterback. Right. They traded or signed Cody Kessler to be their backup. That's just not the th- third string. Now, Stidham right. is your, is your you know, uh, backup. And there were rumors, and Stidham was the guy who was at Baylor, then he transferred to Auburn. And there were some whispers, you know, early in camp. Oh, yeah, they kind of see Stidham as the next guy. They think they can make him the Garoppolo type. They, they really like him. Goes in against the Jets last week, immediately throws a pick six. <laughs> like, immediately in garbage time, throws a pick six. The last thing you could do in a garbage game. So, maybe they're not as high on Stidham. They're bringing in Cody Kessler, who I think is the worst quarterback to ever play in the NFL. It was drafted in the third round the same year uh, Dak was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's interesting. They brought another body in. So, Well, dude, they have to bring bodies in. If your quarterback's going to miss three of four practices, someone has to go out there and throw the ball to at least emulate something. See, right? I would just let uh, Steve Bilicek do it. <laughs> Get him out of there. All right, I want you guys to focus in on this, too. Uh, I thought the Bobby Bear appearance on the morning show was really good. There was a lot of good nuggets in there. But yeah, we, we're talking about old quarterbacks. We know Drew Brees isn't going to be there. But Teddy Bridgewater's highest-paid backup quarterback. Uh, and now he has a – you know, he had the game he went into. He had the game he started last week. They're starting to build their momentum. But the thing that they have is the genius of Sean Payton. And, uh, Ben, you pulled up that clip yesterday where Glazer was talking about him and – how he can really sort of manipulate things with his offensive brilliance. So this morning, Sean and RJ brought up the whole conversation that's been going on for a couple years of could Sean Payton be brought in to be a Cowboys coach. And we've talked about this. We're going to get into Kellen Moore and his situation in the next segment. But listen to Bobby Bear's response about why Sean Payton, there's no way in hell he would have come to Dallas anyways. Hell no. You know why? <laughs> why? I can tell you why. I mean, why would he want to go to Dallas and Jerry Jones be in his ear every day? Sean <laughs> Payton might be the closest thing to head coach and owner in the NFL. He's like Al Davis of the 60s. He does, what he wants. 
He does what he wants. Sean Payton, they have a they have a great team here. I mean, you got Mickey Loomis, and you have Miss Gail Benson. She does whatever uh, Sean Payton says. But then you got behind the scenes Jeff Ireland working with that group. No, uh, listen, they do whatever Sean wants to do. He's involved in personnel. If they want something uh, facility-wise, anything. No, Sean is Sean is the king here. He would not be the king in Dallas. That Sean would ever leave here, I think the money would be so ridiculous that he maybe would have to at least look into it. But as far as power and and uh, he's the man. No, if he he doesn't. He couldn't have it better any other place but New Orleans, considering all the power he has here. All right, so I heard that too, and I, I thought, okay, um, it's it's a little bit overstated, and it's a little bit of an old um, idea, an old concept. Like the the days of Jerry Jones just saying, "Hey, I'm the king. I run this the way I want to. Everybody else go to hell." Those days are over. Now there are some things that are unique to the Cowboys. We've talked about this before. Like if you're a, a hardcore coach like Belichick, why Belichick wouldn't work here is because you wouldn't be in full control of everything at all times. Like, for instance, hey, coach, uh, before you speak to the players after this big win or this big loss, Jerry would like to speak to him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the marketing of the Cowboys uh, is is always paramount. It's a big thing, and it's important to their brand. And But I see Jerry as being more in charge of that. I don't see that as being, I don't know, taking your power away like it maybe used to be. To me, the power with the Cowboys is, number one, it's, it's – I mean, Jerry is the decider, okay? Mm-hmm. But number one, it's Steven, and number two, it's Will McClay. And that, I'm talking about football ops. Yeah. The king of the Cowboys is Jerry Jones, make no mistake about it. But I don't think Jerry, quote-unquote, medals or gets in the way or those types of things anymore at all. I think Steven works out the contracts. I think Will McClay is the personnel guy. And I don't think there would be an issue – you know, with Sean Payton being here, unless he didn't like the circus of the Cowboys. I don't think it would be, hey, you won't have power because Jerry will take your power. I don't think necessarily that's what it is. I think it's the distraction of the circus, which Sean Payton would know all about. And so I, I wouldn't think that – I think that's kind of an old perception. Hey, man, if you go there, Jerry's going to run the team and make every decision. I don't really think that's the case anymore. No, I don't either, but I also do think that Sean Payton is kind of in that position that is hard to get to. Like Belichick obviously has it. I don't know about Seattle's structure. I would assume Pete Carroll's pretty close to having it. But the like the thing that he was breaking down, that Mickey Loomis dude, for example, he also oversees the Pelicans. Like he's almost like this overarching guy over the whole sports empire. And then obviously uh, the the widow Benson, she's just kind of like trust those guys. So Peyton really does have incredible autonomy there. But they respect Peyton so much here. If they brought him in. Dude, Jason Garrett has enormous power here. Jason yeah. Garrett, we've talked about he Garrett just, being involved in some draft decisions and things like that. He just doesn't flex it. You know, he's yeah. kind of a company man, I right. think. Right, right. Uh, yeah. uh, but it would be uncomfortable for Peyton and the Joneses, I think, to some degree because it would be bringing in a much higher stature coach. Right. But it wouldn't be the end of the world. It no. wouldn't be like uh, he's neutered. He, can't, he has to come here and be a robot. I don't know, I know that had, it would. They had Bill Parcells here. Right. And Parcells actually had Sean Payton as his offensive coordinator. And just to show you the power he had, whenever he didn't like what Sean was doing, he just overrode it and said, go over there. Right. Now, it is the one thing it is. It's, I guess what I'm saying, it's not the old perception of what it is. Right. It's not that. Oh, right. Jerry's the meddler. You're going to be his puppet. It's not that. But it is. I can see the, the point that the picture that he painted is that, all right, so Sean Payton has no one to answer to in New Orleans. Well, he would have someone to answer to here, but I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. I think you're right. 
I so, think I think they would figure out a way to coexist because they all like each other and would want to work together. But it doesn't matter. Peyton signed a five-year deal, uh, and he is good to go. And he, to me, is the biggest threat. Or maybe it's Kamara. Maybe it's the combination of Kamara and the brain of Peyton and Thomas. they got a lot of offensive weapons. The Cowboys are going to have to score a lot of points on Sunday night at New Orleans. And the guy who will be orchestrating all that for the Dallas Cowboys is the mighty Kellen Moore. Right, and that's one of the big positives. Coming up next, the three biggest positives and the three biggest negatives for the Dallas Cowboys right now on 105.3 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply thanks shippy it's the ben and skin show 105.3 the fan coming to you live from pluckers and grapevine please come by and see us bring your whole office and have lunch with us, man. We'd love to meet you, take some pictures, and give you a high five. And thank you for supporting what we do here. The Jason Garrett Press Conference is coming up momentarily. Dave Hellman from DallasCowboys.com and a college football preview all coming your way on the Ben and Skin Show. So keep it locked right here. But we were having a discussion before the show about the three biggest positives and three biggest negatives right now for the Cowboys. And KT, Skin, and I were having this discussion. I want to see if you agree with this. Mm-hmm. The three biggest positives right now for the Cowboys in no particular order, and we can power rank these things, is Kellen Moore replacing Linehan, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott taking the next step, and the play of the offensive line. The offensive line being reassembled and being back to just being an absolute dominant force. All right? Yes. Hard to disagree with any of that. Uh, I think before he was hurt, you could maybe throw Gallup in there if mm-hmm. he had had you right. know, three straight games of – Played like you, he started out. So, uh, yeah, hard to disagree with that. I'm totally in on all that stuff. The three biggest negatives, and, and, you know, we can have a conversation about how valid we think these things are, but at least this is what's being discussed the most, I think, is number one is Jalen Smith's play. Right now that is being talked about a lot. Uh, number two would be their defensive line and just the overall health of that line, the depth of that line, and in particular – the effectiveness of the interior of that line. And then third would just be, and this is kind of a combo platter, the Cowboys defense, lack of sacks and interceptions. I would start with turnovers, number one, for me. That's something that's going to have to spice up a little bit. Getting one turnover a game, if you want to be that top five or top ten defense, you, you need to be better than that. And I think they will be. I think they'll start coming. I think it's hard to tell. I mean, we're in a very small sample size right now. That's my – Number one, I guess, long-term concern of, uh, of this team. Uh, injuries, I think, really jump out at you, though. I mean, we talked about the, the camp Xavier Woods had. We talked about how Tyrone Crawford can make the defensive line so much better through position flex that he has. And if that's bad, and it seems like that's bad, it seems like it might be worse than they're letting on. Yeah. Um, that's where that's where my my concerns. The Jalen thing, I gotta admit, I, I guess I'm not seeing that. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about the Jalen thing. I think the only reason it's a conversation is because he just signed a gigantic deal. I think if this was last season, and or even if it was this season and Jalen hadn't assigned a contract, I don't think anybody would be talking about the play of Jalen Smith. I like the way Broadus put it. He's like, look, I can see four bad plays. 
He like narrowed it down to. Didn't he, did you guys? Did I you didn't hear that? hear that. I think he said it. Look, you can narrow it down to four bad plays, and it, it, at times it looks like he has bursts, and at times he doesn't. I'm not overly panicking about him either, um, and I'm not worried about the sacks because I, I feel like now with Robert Quinn. Man, they're going to be bringing a lot of pressure. I do worry about the interior uh, of that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be really nice if Tristan Hill, like, suddenly surprised and was like had a huge impact. Do you do you guys see any chance of that happening? I do. I, I the main reason being is that if he stays healthy, Malik Collins has arguably been their best defensive lineman. I mean, he's a monster. And I, and I would say tank still. Okay. You mean, uh, but tackle? Yeah, defensive tackle. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying all across the line, who's causing the most havoc? And I just think if you – at least the times that I've watched, he's doing damage in there. Yeah. And so for Tristan Hill, as he gets his feet underneath him and kind of gets a feel for the league, having a guy next to him that is causing that many problems, that's a huge advantage. I'm not taking anything away from Tank Lawrence. I think he's been great. But I just see so many plays where there's a chain reaction of great stuff happening because Malik Collins is in there doing work. So the play uh, that Tristan had the other day – uh, and I, I went and watched a little bit closer. It was a play that Darian Thompson ends up having the tackle on the goal line. It was third down, and the Dolphins ran it. And Tristan Hill, who I'd completely forgotten to given up 79 to go to Taco's number of 97, just goes right through the middle. That's a trap, He burst off it? at the line, but, man, there was no one blocked. So he yeah. is 97 now? He's 97 I didn't even now. notice that, yeah. Um, that was by design. Yeah. Yeah, the the, uh, the he, Dolphins let him through. Yeah, they let him through, yeah. basically. But on when I was watching it on TV, I was like, you see Tristan Hill burst through there, make right. a little impact, you know? Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was, that was clearly a play where they weren't blocking him on purpose. And then Darian Thompson, though, just followed through and right. made, made that tackle, ended up working, and, hey, the Dolphins suck, so whatever. I did think it was interesting that he went to 97. I've got the splash plays pulled up. We've oh, talked good. About splash yeah. plays These before. are the defensive splash These plays? These are fumble recoveries, fumbles forced, okay. stops on third down, tackles holds. for loss, sack, hold, uh, holds that are drawn. Your leader – is Tank with nine wow. through three games. Uh, second is Van Der Esch with seven. Um, Heath is third with six and a half. Xavier Woods is fourth with four. Then Anthony Brown, then Cheeto. And then you get Christian Covington with more than Malik Collins. But where is uh, where's, plays are also, I mean, that, that's not an end-all, be-all stat by any means. Where, where's Jalen on there? Way in the back. What, does he have one? Uh, he's got one. And that was the fumble that, that he was caused? That forced fumble. Yeah, okay. Hey, wait, but that was uh, – was that the one where the running back kind of backed into him? He got his big paw in there. Yeah, he yeah. got his – and it was – Is this the Dolphins game? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, this yeah. is season totals. Yeah, yeah I, know, but, but, I know, I know. Oh, but yes, the Dolphins, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Kenyon Drake uh, yeah. kind of put a move on. I just remember we talked to our buddy John Mishota over at The Athletic, and he oh. said, ah, oh, crap, it was a lucky play. He says a lucky play because Kenyon Drake kind of juked – you know, he, he made some space for himself, and Jalen's, as you said, Paul got in there and knocked it out. It's a big old and Tank Paul recovered boys. it. So, I, I am a little bit worried that maybe uh, Cheeto's confidence is waning. He's been he's he's gotten picked on a lot. Man, I just I see him as a guy whose confidence has never wavered in his entire life. I mean, he's just I hope so. I hope that's the case. He just doesn't seem like a guy who gets rattled. And even last year, he was a guy who would have just perfect coverage on a receiver. And somehow the ball would squeak in there. He's the king of giving up a reception when he's done his job perfectly. It's so bizarre. Like I, like it, the one-handed catch Parker made in that in that game. I don't know what he could have done any better. I agree. In fact, he got flagged on it, uh, but yeah. I, I didn't even see a penalty. But I thought it was blanket coverage. 
I don't ever remember seeing a corner cover better and still give up the catch than Cheeto. I think I don't, it's almost like he's a little bit unlucky in that regard. The mm-hmm. easy thing to say from the outside is, okay, he's got to get his head around. He's got to learn to get his head around. And I think the dangerous thing there is it's an easy thing to say, but what if, hey, hey we're going to work on some things. We're going to turn it back and getting your head on the ball. Well, what if that leads to getting out of position? Yeah, you and those I, plays turn right. into big plays because touchdowns. Those, those are hardly ever big plays on them. You, you see it; they take the shots, but you don't. It's not they're converting them all the time. Go watch the Saints. The Saints are giving up big plays all day long. Yeah, the Cowboys right. aren't. You know. Okay, if if Cheeto were to struggle, would that make you guys more on board with figuring out a way to pay Byron? Um, I mean, I'm already on board with that. I am too. But I want it to be. I think we all are, but I yeah. mean, it's like at what yeah, price? Right. No, yeah. I, I think if, if that were to happen, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think it's. We all pay Jalen. We all pay uh, Byron Jalen money right now, but he probably won't take that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are the concerns. Those are the positives. But in terms of power ranking the positives which is uh you know it's not necessary mm-hmm. but let's do it anyway uh, it's thursday let's do it uh, okay so in terms of who deserves the most credit dak. even even though we're willing to say they all deserve credit dak it's dak kellen and the offensive line dak oh it's kellen to me because it's different i think dak was going to make a step either way dak even if scott was here i think dak was going to take a step by what ignoring linehan no, I just I think he'd still be I think he would still be better. Okay, he would be better because he worked with Kitna and his fundamentals, yeah. his footwork and his accuracy his hips, is all much in, much improved. Dak. Um so you're saying Dak. Saying I heard Dak. you say Dak. Uh, <laughs> to me it's Keelan. Uh okay. Uh golly, it's so hard because it all works in conjunction. I mean if the offensive line is dominating in, in pass blocking and run blocking. Uh, Kellen Moore has now made it harder to predict exactly what the Cowboys are going to do. And it's definitely a curveball because I think the league got used to knowing exactly what the Cowboys are going to do. Now they're playing chess instead of checkers. Ooh, if I had to put it on something, though, I, I would say Dak. There's a reason why Kellen Moore will make, what, a million dollars, two million dollars mm-hmm. this year. And Dak's on his way to making 35 to 40. Uh, the quarterback, no matter what, no matter how good the coordinator is the quarterback still has to go and execute it out on the field and he is doing that he's been absolutely brilliant in every regard um so yeah i, I and, and, and in terms of the biggest surprise uh i would say the biggest surprise of those things is also Dak because it was the longer way to go in my opinion he had the furthest to go for kellen he was replacing Lenahan, who was like a boat anchor on the offense the offensive line, once they got healthy, I think they were going to be dominant again. Dak's the one who's put in the work and has come the farthest from last year to this year. So, yeah, I think it's Dak. I think the only way you can truly measure this is to go to the local hospitals and ask how many babies are being named Dak and how many babies are being named Kellen. Oh, that's de- fair. Well, I think it depends, though, Kevin, what hospital. Are you going to a hospital here or are you going to a hospital in Idaho? Oh, okay. So in Idaho, I, I found there's a great article in The Athletic today. And it's on Kellen being the goat up in Boise. So it starts out talking about this couple who was adopting. And there's a couple stories of families adopting and naming their kid Kellen. And it says in 2011 and 2012. 2011 is the year Kellen was a senior. 2012, the year after. And they had that crazy, those, that crazy year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name Kellen was in the top 100 list of baby uh, baby names for those two years. <laughs> Which really? Kellen is not a terribly common name. It's no. like that? He's revered that much? He oh. is the winningest quarterback in NCAA history. They, they legitimately 
like it, then there's there's Demarcus Lawrence uh, quotes in the article as well. And Demarcus goes, "Oh yeah, go back up there. Kellen's the goat. They're gonna have a statue of him one day." <laughs> like, and there's uh, some former coaches. Uh, that was really interesting. Some former coaches was like, "Man, I take for granted not asking him more questions when he was here, because he knows so much." And he's like, "You work with this guy, and everyone loves this guy." And I just, you know, you take it for granted when you work with a guy who's that awesome every day. And I just, I should have asked him more questions. Well, I'm always <laughs> happy to answer that. Any, any questions you have, KT, I'm happy to answer. Uh, but in terms of uh, Kellen's future, that's interesting. If he's revered that much up there and he's a god up there, mm-hmm. what is his future Listen like? To this. Yeah, Listen I'm, to this. I'm curious if, he'll, if he would rather be an offensive coordinator in the NFL or a head coach at Boise State, right? Fans at Boise have dreamed of Moore's return. The triumphant hero coming back to somehow reach higher levels of success. Moore himself has said he would like to coach at Boise State someday. But as his NFL star burns brighter and brighter, those dreams will continue to be just that. They talk about a correlation of Kellen, mm-hmm. uh, as Bo- Boise State being the underdog. They, didn't, they weren't in a Power 5 conference. And here he was. He's the perfect correlation for them. He's the little guy, the underdog, going and taking them to a title. It's remember all that Kingsbury talk guys. He has his dream job. <laughs> Don't ever talk about him ever being anywhere else ever. You're disrespecting the entire city of Lubbock by even thinking <laughs> that Kingsbury would ever consider coaching anywhere else. Wreck him. Uh, guys, uh, you get fired in college when you don't win every single year at the highest level. If you can go make like two and three times as much money, just getting all that glory and Kellen Moore, the glory Kellen Moore is getting right now just as a coordinator for quote unquote America's team. Did anybody know his level? He was revered in Idaho until an article appeared. No, I mean, come on. People overblow that stuff all the time. I want someone I want someone to go do do this. Pull Kingsbury aside and ask him if he's having less fun this year, <laughs> making more right. money. But uh, it is it is Kellen is in the honeymoon phase of his career, right? Because being an offensive coordinator with a great quarterback, that is that is a there's not a lot of pressure there. You know, the, as long as that offense functions, the wins and losses of the team aren't aren't really on his ledger. Right. He's not his job is not under you know under pressure. He is coveted in the league, and now people are already talking about the youngest offensive coordinator getting a head coaching job. Things are good right now, but the minute he goes and gets a head coaching job. The meter's running. He's going to get fired at some point. Right. There's a pocket in Idaho. So whatever the national game of the week is, you know, the, the, the TV maps or whatever. So let's say it was Vikings-Bears, like a Midwest game, and maybe that was the game. Well, there's a pocket in Idaho in that area around Boise that will just – they show Cowboy games when, it, when they shouldn't be, like the national right. game of the week is the one they should be showing. They make, like, a little exemption for them in that area. And it's partially because of Cal. And Cowboys have a lot of ties there. There's a lot of things in this article that they talked about with Kellen, like, going back and mm-hmm. still doing work there. Right. And I have this clip from a commercial. from a, it's, it's just a company called Kellenders. All right, let's hear uh, it. And here's Kellen starring in a commercial. Well, Kellen, we hear you have an idea for this year's campaign. I just thought everyone uses calendars. So what if they had calendars? Now everyone will know when all of Kendall's events and sales are happening. It's all part of offering the best car buying experience. Why only 11 months? Kendall, let's start something great. Delivery for Kellen Moore? How many of these things did you make? 
God, that's awesome. It's Kellen Moore selling cars. Calendars. And naming babies. All right, it's been Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan, coming to you live from Pluckers and Grapevine. Come join us out here. Coming up next, the Jason Garrett Press Conference. You don't want to miss that right here on 105.3 The Fan. All right, here's Jason Garrett brought to you by Ford, the best in tech. Will he really be able to do anything today? Yeah, he just was had been dealing with uh, kind of a foot and an ankle thing coming out of the ball game, and uh, he was limited in practice. We got it checked out afterwards. Don't know how much he'll do uh, today in practice, but uh, we're hopeful he'll be ready to go as the week goes on. MRI came back negative. Uh, yes. So no, really no concern at this point about his ability to play on. Yeah, take his situation day by day, like like with all these guys, and we'll just see what he's able to do today and tomorrow leading up to the ball game. Anyone be able to ramp up from what they did yesterday? The injured guys, such uh, as Xavier Woods, or yeah, Xavier Woods had a good practice yesterday. He was limited, but uh, felt good about the work that he got in. Will he do more than any team drills for y'all today? Uh, again, we'll watch him early on in practice and just see how he does. But he had a good day yesterday. <laughs> Jason, did it did it take any convincing on the part of you or the other coaches to uh, get? Zeke to embrace this idea of having Pollard take some of his playing time and some of his snaps? Or is that something he saw the benefit of? Oh, Zeke's such a competitor. He wants to play every play. And uh, even that first week after he had practiced just three three days, he, he wanted to be out there play the whole game. That's just what his nature is. Uh, but again, we just thought that was best for our team to you know, work him, work his way into the game, uh, you know, that first week, ramp him up a little bit more the next week, and then, you know, make sure that we give Pollard some opportunities, you know, throughout the game. That's not new with Zeke. We've always tried to do that. Uh, but he's one of those players that has such a positive impact on the game. So you keep him out there, you give him the ball, usually a lot of good things happen. So uh, he's a competitor. He wants to play every snap, but he's also a team guy. That's never been an issue with him. Who plays Taysom Hill for you guys in practice, and how much do you have to be mindful of all the things that he does when you're going into a game? Yeah, we have a few different guys who play the different roles for their guys uh, on their team, so uh, we just try to manage that. Your point's well made. He's someone they, they use a lot of different ways. Uh, they do some wildcat stuff. They use him as a regular position player. Obviously, he's very prominent on their special teams. So, uh, you know, he like a number of guys on their team. You just have to be aware of those guys and how they use them and hopefully be on top of them over the course of the week. People who break those types of things down are talking about how well Lyle has played through three weeks. I think Pro Football Focus has him graded the highest in the league to this point. What's your assessment of how he's playing? He's so played very well. Uh, is a good player. Uh, he's a very good run blocker. Uh, he's a good pass protector. Uh, he goes against good guys you know, week in and week out, and, and he typically blocks them. And, and not only does he block them, but he has a physicality to him. And, uh, he, he plays with an edge that's really positive for our offensive line, for our offense, and really for our whole team. So certainly off to a good start, but uh, he'd be the first to tell you he's got a long way to go. He continues to work on his technique in all aspects, and, and he's improving week by week. What's the most impressive thing about Cam Jordan's game? Uh, he's just a really good player. Uh, you know, Anything you would ask a defensive lineman to do, he does, and he does it at a high level. Very good run defender. Uh, he's quick with his movements. He's strong at the point of attack. He gets off of blocks. He makes plays in the run game that are at him. He makes plays away where he chases. And, uh, and obviously, he's a, he's a, a big-time pass rusher, uh, always around the quarterback, uh, very powerful, but also has good moves, 
uses his hands really well, has a relentless spirit. So he's been a really good player for a long time. What's the next step you want to see the defense take? Uh, just continue to, to, to strive to be who we are and, and to play up to the highest standards. And, and that starts with stopping the run, uh, affecting the quarterback, minimizing big plays, uh, and, and taking the ball away. And those are the things we continue to try to emphasize. I think we've gotten better and better in each of those areas as the, as the year has gone on. Uh, they go about it the right way. It's a well-coached unit. Those guys work hard in practice, and you see the strides they make. And uh, uh, you, know, you just have to continue to work. It's, it's, it's nothing unique. It's what every defense is trying to do. Uh, but you want to do that, and you want to do that on a consistent basis. Do you find, do you find encouragement in the film, although the, the interceptions haven't happened yet, but just the way guys are putting themselves in position for those sorts of plays? Yeah, there's no question. We've been around the ball. Uh, we've been around the ball in the running game, been around the ball uh, with the quarterback in the pocket, uh, and then also making plays on the back end. So uh, you just have to keep. Like you said, putting yourself in a position to make those plays, and when the time comes, make them, because those are difference-making plays in the game, as we all know. Jeff, you talked to us this week about how you can't go looking for that interception. That's when the problem happens. You're just going to do your job, and then it comes. How do you balance that, not trying to overthink it, but you want more takeaways? Yeah, you just have to be a ball guy. You know, We really try to emphasize that, uh, putting in the forefront of your mind and everything we do every day. So when you do have the opportunity in the game, it's very instinctive for you to go make that play, uh, whether it's knocking a ball out, scooping a fumble and scoring with it, or intercepting a pass. And uh, we have guys back there who have been able to do that over the course of their career. And uh, you just have to keep banging away at it. Uh, you do have to play within the scheme. I do think if you get undisciplined, hey, I'm going to go make this play, and you start you know, avoiding zones and coverage, that's not what we want to do. Uh, you want to play within the defense, but you do want to go get that football. The special teams came up big for the Saints, and they had that uh, return of Deontay Harris. Other than speed, what characteristics do you see in him? And it's a two-part question when you're trying to prepare for something like that, and yet you know you can't like always totally replicate it in practice during the week. Can you talk about that? Yeah, obviously that's a huge play for them up there. You know, the fumble return for a touchdown, and then the the punt return. So. Um, you know, he's a dangerous player uh, as a returner, both as a punt guy and also on the back end of kickoffs. So uh, you said it, he's, he's awfully fast, he's quick, he's elusive, he's got playmaking ability. So it's really on everybody to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it's, it starts with the specialist where we kick the ball, where we punt the ball. Flyers need to show up in the punt game. The guy's coming out of the punt box. We've got to sprint, we've got to cover, we've got to tackle, we've got to be disciplined, we've got to get hats to the ball. Uh, he's a dangerous player, there's no question about that. What makes C.J. Goodwin a good guy on your on your unit, either there as a gunner or in kickoff coverage? Uh, I think he's a fantastic special teams player for a lot of different reasons. Uh, he's fast. His speed shows up. He plays fast. Uh, he has a relentless spirit to go get the ball, both in kickoff coverage and as a, as a flyer outside. Uh, he's hard to block, and he has a nose for, for getting to the football and making plays. So uh, that sounds basic and sounds obvious, but th that's what he does, and he does it on a consistent basis and takes great pride in doing it well. When you're evaluating college players or even free agents when they're coming here, how much do you put in to whether they can handle everything that comes with being a, a cowboy? And maybe that's different in other, other cities, or maybe, it, maybe it's not in your mind that much different than other places. Uh, you know, I think that's probably down the line in the evaluation uh, for us. Uh, what's at the top of the list is what kind of guy they are. Uh, the character of the guy, their football character. Uh, then you look at their ability and their production. Uh, I think if you're trying to address that question, 
the thing that we look at most, who they are as people, uh, might help you understand uh, how they can handle a situation like that. It's a transition for anybody coming out of college to go play pro football. I don't care what level you played at. I don't care what city you're going to. So, uh, you know, being a mature guy who has the right kind of values, uh, who, you who you think you can help mold as, you go as he goes forward, um, I think that's all, that's all part of the evaluation that you make. Jason, how, how good has the pass protection been for Dak through three games, and uh, how essential has that been to the performance he's delivered? Yeah, I think our line has played very well, uh, both in the run game and in, the, and in pass protection. Uh, we've done a good job controlling the line of scrimmage fairly consistently throughout the games. Uh, we've been able to run the ball fairly consistently, particularly these last couple weeks. I think that always helps the pass protection. So uh, there's no question it all starts there. Uh, you never see the skill on your team if you don't win on the offense and defensive lines. Going back to that transition from college to NFL, Zeke's talked to us about how he's had the running backs over to his home. And Demarcus Lawrence, we know, has mentored some of the younger defensive line guys, how do you try to instill that kind of culture in the team when you do have these young guys come in that someone's looking out for them? Well, I think it's important to try to empower your players. Uh, the guys you mentioned, Zeke Elliott and Demarcus Lawrence, are excellent players for us, and they're also very good leaders, and they, they want our team to be great, and uh, they probably see themselves like some of those young guys, the transition that they went through, and, and they probably had some guys in their career, some older guys, some veteran guys who helped them. And certainly that's our job as coaches, our job as an organization to try to help guide guys in their transition. But when you can empower your coaches and empower the players to take leadership roles, that's a really positive thing for your team. Thank you. All right, good to see you guys. All right, there he goes, the Jason Garrett press conference. And uh, we are at Pluckers and Grapevine. I'm, I'm loving this. We are getting a lot of text messages. You can text in anytime you'd like, 877 881 1053, the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text. We were talking about Sean Payton earlier, and uh, this text from the 405. Hey, Payton signs an extension, and somehow there's still Dallas chatter. But when you listen to Jason Garrett and his press conference, and you think about Kellen Moore and the staff and all that, do you think that, do you think realistically Garrett is feeling any pressure at I, all? I, I, I mean, look, I think he practices what he preaches, and I genuinely think he's thinking about the New Orleans Saints. I don't think, you know, it's hard to get into someone's brain, but I really think that he compartmentalizes issues like that, and that's why he's always been really adept at, during times of tough situations, focusing on the job at hand. So I think for Garrett, and Jerry's brought this up. Last time Garrett was, uh, you know, a lame duck coach, he signed a deal after the season. This isn't new for him. So I think that his mentality and what he – goes out there and preaches and all that type of stuff, I think he practices it. And I don't think he's thinking about his next contract. I think he's thinking about, all right, once we uh, take care of the Saints game, then we got to focus on the next team. I think these are like uh, – they work 16 to 18-hour days, these coaches. I think they get lost in it, but I do think you might have those thoughts once you get home. Or maybe when you're driving home in your car alone and you're away from it, maybe those future thoughts it's it's human nature to think about what your job might be a year from now or 5 years from now like that's a human element so uh, i i'm not saying like he's picking out places but those thoughts are in his head now he doesn't address them he won't say anything about it publicly but tell me his he and his wife had had that talk before those things those things have to come up in your personal life well there's so much pressure on him for real i don't know if he's feeling it just in terms of if the expectation is you have to get to the NFC Championship game or you have to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, he could do a hell of a job and things just don't work out. The ball doesn't bounce their way and he doesn't accomplish that. 
So I would think he'd be under pressure. But at the same time, if he, you know, based on the success he's had, I thought this was crazy at one point. He would have opportunities out there. Oh, yeah. He would have opportunities. And somebody texts in, uh, this is from the 81, I'm sorry, the 972. Uh, you could bring up a, uh, they say you could bring up any player. I'm convinced you could make up a player and ask Garrett about him, and he'll say they are a good football player. Right. I mean, it is He's coach. A good football player. It's good. It's good. He likes all, to play ball. He's in all in all three facets of the game. He likes ball. Good. Long time. Ball. He's a ball guy. Guys play ball. Ball. Uh, go out there and play ball. The nine seven two. How Coach Garrett says a whole lot and yet says nothing at the same time is truly astounding to me. Does he say a whole lot? I, I mean, I don't. I don't think he says anything. I think he's very much like uh, you know the giant frozen wall in Game of the Thrones. Right. He's like. He's like. <laughs> Hey, there's nothing behind this wall you need to know about. It's I'm willing to to be the boring wall. I'm just going to stand here and bore everyone to death. Hopefully, everyone falls asleep and they stop asking questions. But what happens in our locker room stays in our locker room. That's his mantra. He does not care if the media is entertained. He does not care if fans entertain. But it's certainly a lot easier to deal with that, and it's much more charming when they are a dominant force in the league like they are right now. Can it I, is. Go ahead. Well, can I be irresponsible for ten seconds? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So Dan Quinn of the Falcons doesn't turn that thing around pretty quickly, and he gets fired. And that's a great spot for Garrett to land, should it not work out here. Uh, Atlanta he can, is the perfect spot for him because he can just oversee it. You can let the offensive coaches. There's cowboy connections in that front office. Dude, and Atlanta can, is the spot for him. And he can just drive up the road and talk to Saban whenever he wants to kiss that yeah. ass. All right, it's the Ben and Skin <laughs> Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, let's talk to David Hellman about this game. He of DallasCowboys.com will do it next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.